1: 2020 and we are here starting our new theme for the month uh speak in my language which are uh, foreign films so it's actually not speaking our language and that's the beauty of the whole thing um this week we're gonna be reviewing Jean-Pierre Genois film Micmax uh from 2009 if I'm not mistaken and uh, we'll get into that momentarily but before we get into uh the movie of the week Corey and I like to catch up to see how we've been doing and uh see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded so Corey how you doing?
0: fine worked a short work week thank the heavens and yeah i'm just trying not to die of heat stroke when i walk out to my mailbox because that's about (laughs) the only time i'm going outside
1: (laughs) ah yeah it is uh it's been hot here too um we are in the path of a hurricane it might hit us it may not um i'll find out tomorrow and sunday if we're gonna get anything bad or if it's just gonna be you know minimal rain or even just annoying rain and not wind um I am a little concerned of course, uh, about the hurricanes we had uh, a couple years ago, the podcast, we, we lost an episode because of the hurricanes. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had, we had no power for like four days, um, Ugh. a couple years ago. And then obviously I, I lived through the 2004 triple hurricanes, which so did you, <laughs> um, yeah. where we got three within a month and a half of each other. Um, all of which hit Polk County really hard. And then, uh, Before that, like I'd lived here my whole, that was, I was 23 or 22 or 23 when those hit, and I'd lived here the whole time and only had one other hurricane ever really do anything, Uh, and it was barely, it was like Hurricane Andrew, and it was just like, for us, it was just a lot of rain, like Miami got destroyed,
0: but here it was
1: just a a lot, a lot of rain. So those three were bad, and then we had the one a couple years ago, so we're always a little on edge now, Um, hoping everything is good, like I bought a bunch of, like, I bought, I finally bought the powdered peanut butter though that we've been talking about so good i haven't tried it yet because i'm trying to like it's like i'll eat this even if the hurricane doesn't hit us hard but if it does hit us hard this will be a very useful thing to have so i got like salty crackers and stuff like that but i didn't control right i didn't want to buy a bunch of stuff that wouldn't get ate or shouldn't get ate you know like bad foods because processed foods not good but they hold up
0: uh, yeah. in the event
1: that there's no power so like i've got just enough stuff to like get us by if something bad does happen but at the same time nothing crazy so that like we're not just stuck with a bunch of junk that i spent a lot of money on um but you know that's that's my current like slight worry i'm not i'm not too worried right now the projections is going to sca- escape the coast but charlie wasn't supposed to hit us and it mm. just veered right into us so I, i'm always a little apprehensive but
0: we have a little little faith in those projections mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they they move they're erratic you know you can't you can't solely base it on that so um it and but otherwise it's been pretty hot the last two days have not rained after like several days of just rain um in fact one day it was really crazy I walked outside and I knew it was getting ready to rain and I uh, my dog doesn't like going out in the rain so I, I was walking Frankie and we walked outside and there was like a river in our, our the road in front of our house like flowing river not just like a lot of water I mean it was like I'm like, what's going on? Because it had not rained yet, but it looked like it had rained. And so, like, um, at the, across the street, one of my neighbors was walking out at the same time to walk their dog. And she, she was like, what's happening? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And I, I went to the edge, and I guess they were testing the fire hydrant on the corner or, like, fixing it or whatever. But, like, it had been raining for, like, several days, and our, our roads already flood as it is. So it was, like, nuts, like, how much water it added. And then it did rain that night for, like, several hours. So it was... We had a huge river in our front yard, and it was like impossible to, to, to forage without losing some oxen. Um, that's the Oregon Trail <laughs> reference. Uh, but um, but yeah, overall, uh, it, it's been it's been a little you know a little crazy um, getting ready for the hurricane, and then also uh, getting ready for school because uh, technically, if this were normal, I would be going back on Monday, but they delayed oh. the start of school for three weeks uh so i don't go back until the 14th i go back on the 14th kids are supposed to come back on the 24th which as of the moment looks like my school is probably going to be strictly online um for at least the first month which is contrary to what um you know the people supposedly in charge of education think should be happening so we'll see how that goes but as of the moment and that this is subject to change um and that's i think the right call uh you know it is it is not better um covid is not better at all I uh, it's
0: over uh,
1: you know i keep hearing the rumor but totally kidding evidence, i'm still wearing my mask no i totally know <laughs> i totally know you're kidding um i was just gonna go with it but um,
0: <laughs> i didn't want you know our listeners to think that i was being serious in case they missed all 12 of our other episodes where we talked about it
1: yeah and uh i just heard that um fauci posted on his facebook mm-hmm. um or no, maybe not his Facebook. I'm sorry. I guess I read face shields and thought Facebook. Uh, he posted somewhere that he's encouraging goggles or face shields to be worn with the mask to prevent the spread through your like eyes. Because you know, if someone sneezes into your eyes, it's no, it's not better. Um, so yeah, if you want to get some goggles and or the plastic face shields, which uh, you still need to wear the mask with those face shields. I've seen people wearing the face shields and not wearing a mask, and it's like, yeah, but the spit will just come right underneath the mask like the whole or the underneath the face shield the whole point of the mask is keeping it closer to your face so it's not just flying out but uh i did have um a shout out i'm not going to say my friend's name because i don't know that he would want that but um, he had introduced me to this company called roosevelt's rsblts they are not a sponsor but if they would like to sponsor i'm in um a few about it about six months ago I got a really cool Ghostbuster shirt, which there's some pictures uh, of me wearing the Ghostbuster shirt. That's a Roosevelt shirt. Um, in fact, our bloody awesome uh, banner on Twitter and Facebook, I believe, is uh, me in that Ghostbuster uh, shirt. It's like a dress shirt, but it's also, um, it's like a dry fit type material. It's really, they're really nice shirts. Um, I, I have several. Uh, they've done some awesome movie shirts, but they, um, they started doing masks uh, when everything went under. And the cool thing that they've done is they have not charged for the masks. They've only charged shipping. The hard part is getting a mask, um, because they, they sell out almost instantly every time they are there. Uh, and, um, they have some parks and rec stuff, Corey, which I know you're a big parks and rec fan, right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, the Ron Swanson one is really cool. And they just released that mask a couple weeks ago and they went, they sold out and my friend got one. Um, And I was like, oh, man, I'm so jealous. And apparently last night, Thursday night, they went on sale at like 1230. They had masks again. Like they had five of the designs back. And I was asleep. But he got me one of the Ron Swanson ones because he's a good friend. Um, And I'm so stoked uh, because I have Ric Flair. I have a uh, Bob Ross one. I have a Step Brothers mask. And I have – so the band Newfound Glory, they have uh, a shirt that is based off of the pattern of the tablecloth at their favorite Mexican restaurant. And so I have that uh, mask as well. Hey. Um, totally unrecognizable as anything to do with Newfound Glory, unless you know all those details I just listed. But uh, for me, I know it's Newfound Glory, and I am a fan of, uh, especially their um, silver screen, uh, From the Screen to the Stereo. I love those albums um, very, very much. But... Uh, so yeah, I got those, and then I've got um, I ordered some DC comic. Uh, they have some Batman masks coming out that I ordered. I pre-ordered that. It's supposed to be out, coming in a couple of weeks. Um, and then I've got some plain black masks that I ordered. And then uh, I I ran a five k for Nerd Fitness a couple of weeks ago. Like I was a virtual five k, and I ordered a, a face mask with the five k logo on it because I want to you know brag that I ran a, an official five you k know, because it's cool
0: nice i um have two ugly white ones and i have two that have plants on them one's a pilea and one is a uh oh now i'm forgetting what the other one is
1: how do you water those
0: (laughs) uh i guess it just happens when i wash my mask
1: ah true okay that makes sense um well uh, has anything else been going on uh, before we get into what we've been watching? Nah. Well, let's do it. Uh, do you want to go first or second this week?
0: Um, I'll go first. ready? I've been watching, ha <laughs> ha, Parks and Rec.
1: Uh, oh.
0: I just love it so much and it never gets old and it's always so funny and it's, I guess it's like your friends or I don't know. I just, I don't know. And I love 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 Paul Rudd as Bobby in it. Oh my god, <laughs> um, kills it! Bobby and Newport. he, yeah, he plays a good idiot. Like I love him in Our Idiot Brother. I love that movie so much. I might get a dog just so I can name it Willie Nelson. Um, so I've been watching that. I'm already, uh, I think, on season four or five. I think five, maybe. Um, we watched. I just, you know, it was my husband's birthday, and he got me flowers, and we ordered takeout Mexican food, and then he watched John Wick 1 and 2 with me, and it was his birthday. So, I mean, I feel like that's true love. I mean, he likes all those things, too, but I felt like it was my birthday, also. Um, I watched First Cow. I watched You Should Have Left. Didn't hate it. I mean, it wasn't revolutionary, you know, but I didn't hate it. And then I watched that new movie with Natalia Dyer, Dyer or Um,
1: Yes, God, yes.
0: Which is only an hour and 17 minutes. I did not know before that purchase was made.
1: Wow, that's yeah. Um, actually, it's funny because uh, Big Tuna messaged me today um, that he's like, hey, you should watch this movie. And uh, it was the one you just said um what is it why god why
0: yes god yes
1: oh sorry i had it all messed up um and i was like oh that's funny uh we just purchased that um so good to know uh he saw it at south by 2019 um mm. so he's been kind of waiting for it to become available to m- bigger audiences so oh, nice. um funny coincidence how that works out sometimes mm-hmm. um is there anything else
0: no that's all
1: um, I have watched some screeners that I can't give details of, uh, but River City Drumbeat, I can talk about. Uh, my review for that is out. Uh, it is a documentary about this really cool organization, um, River City Drum Corps, and um, it's, it's a really awesome doc. It, it's about education. It's about music. Uh, it's about how art can uh, save and change lives um it's specifically about these uh this the guy who founds the river city drum corps and then the guy who's taking it over it is a really cool documentary highly recommend it It should be available everywhere august 7th um if you're into anything like that i highly highly recommend um i watched david ayers the tax collector i can't say anything about that just yet so i'm going to move on from that um i watched first cow which i liked a lot it's very very weird um but I think it's excellent. Uh and um it's not very, very weird, I shouldn't say that. it's, it's just it's what's it's very, very quiet is actually what I meant to say. I apologize. I, I'm getting some messages very and I'm quiet. trying to like That's read and also catch things. But yeah, it's very quiet, um, and contemplative and the I've actually listened to two podcasts about it since I watched it. Um the slash cast covered First Cow and then uh, pop culture happy hour talked about it and it it kind of gave insights to my own thoughts um i watched the new ron howard documentary called rebuilding paradise which is also out um, now to rent anywhere and i knew nothing about this um but rebuilding paradise is about paradise california that november of 2018 was basically completely burnt down from a, a wildfire and then um weather conditions that spread the fire like so quickly that uh, there's a lot of the documentary opens with like found footage, not found footage, but footage from like people's cell phone cameras and stuff that were capturing things as they were happening. And it's intense. It's scary. And that's like the first 10, 15 minutes. And then the rest is about rebuilding paradise. Um, it's very emotional. It shows a lot of the problems I think with the bureaucracy titled around things like that, like with FEMA and things like that.
0: Mm.
1: It's very, very compelling. And I uh, can't, can't deny um, how much it, it just hit me. Um, then I watched the movie we're going to be talking about uh, here in a little bit, Micmax. Max. And then today, um, Matt and I recorded earlier today, this is a Friday when we're, we're recording this, but we recorded uh, the new episode of Movie Astrology, um, which we do kind of sporadically. It's not a, it's not on a real schedule, but we, we do a year in cinema, right? We cover a full year. We talk about the top 10 highest grossing films of that year. And then we also look at other notable films, and we cover a lot of other areas, but it's all centered around movies. And we did the year 2004, and there was a big gap movie for me, um, the Best Picture winner of that year, which was Million Dollar Baby, mm-hmm. I'd never seen. And um, it's one of Matt's favorite films, so I, I felt obligated to get it in before we recorded. And holy crap, um, I was not ready for that movie. I had no, I knew it was about boxing, and I knew Clint Eastwood directed and he was in it, uh, Hillary Swank. I didn't know Morgan Freeman was in it, which I should have, uh, because he wins Best Supporting Actor that year uh, for this movie. I did; I had no clue. Um, but I really, really like that movie. I was kind of blown away by it, to be honest. And um, and yeah, uh, it's it's pretty excellent. So if you haven't seen Million Dollar Baby, highly recommend. Um, I've also uh, I just finished season five of Gilmore Girls. I got two, I think, regular seasons left, and then I got the Netflix reunion series. Um, and I am done with Gilmore Girls.
0: It goes by so fast. It does. When you're like watching
1: shows. I do like it. I am at a point where I'm kind of tired of, of Rory at this point, And I would like to like, she just keeps making dumb decision after dumb decision. Um, so I'm kind of ready to be done with it. But, but yeah, um, I, uh I really, really, really hope um that uh people give all these movies a chance especially the two documentaries because i think they're really great and um this year's been a really great documentary year surprisingly like not in a negative way like surprisingly i guess is wrong but considering we are not getting a lot of the blockbusters that we've been promised um because of covid and stuff the documentaries have been kind of a saving grace for me um i still can't talk about a couple of them but like if you haven't seen mucho mucho amor That one's really good. That's on Netflix. Um, We covered a few documentaries earlier from this year uh, on the podcast, but um, Rebuilding Paradise, River City, uh, Drumbeat, and then uh, Big Tune has recommended a few that I have not got to yet, but I'm planning on it still. And um, it's just been a solid year for docs. Uh, Like 2018, when we got Won't You Be My Neighbor and Three Identical Strangers and Free Solo, was another really strong doc year, and uh, this year seems to be shaping up to be one, especially in the absence of blockbusters. We The documentaries have been kind of the best movies that I've seen, um, of, aside from a few indie films that, again, people haven't had the opportunity to see yet. Um, but, yeah, uh, those, that's what I've been watching. Um, so, with that, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll have a sponsor, and then we will... Um, return to discuss Micmacs. And we are back. Uh, we're here talking about Micmacs from 2009. Um, Jean-Pierre Genois, uh, film that, uh, Corey picked for the, um, speaking in my language, uh, category. It has a 7.2 IMDB user rating, a 62 Metascore. Uh, the plot synopsis reads, a man and his friends come up with an intricate and original plan to destroy two big weapons manufacturers. Um, Stars a lot of people who I'm not familiar with, with a couple who I am. Danny Boone, Andre Dusselier, uh Nicolas Marie. Um, okay, I want to point out Nicolas Marie is one of the, the two bad guys. Um, he looks like French Christophe Waltz. <laughs> and the other bad guy looks like French and younger James Caan. Like, they are very similar um, to these two actors. Uh, Yolande Maru. Um, the the guarantee to have a role in a Jean-Pierre Genois film, Dominique Pinon, um, who I love so much, Marie-Julie Bop, Michael Crematis, uh, Julie Ferrier, Omar Sy, uh, Jean-Pierre Marielle, and I think that covers everyone who we need to say. Everyone else's minor roles. Um, so Genois co-wrote this with uh, Gu- Guillaume Laurent and others, uh, which it just has Laurent. So never mind, IMDb threw me off, but. Um, Corey and I have covered two Jean-Pierre Genois films, uh, to date. Oh, I'm sorry. Three. We've covered three on this podcast. Uh, we watched Alien Resurrection. Oh God. I try watched... to forget
0: about that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's me too. Uh, we watched Amelie and we did Delicatessen. And I recently just did a, another podcast about Delicatessen, uh, when Matt and I were doing the Bampocalypse, uh, at the beginning of the COVID crisis, um, we watched Delicatessen and, uh. I am a, a general, a big fan of Jean-Pierre Genois' stuff. I have also seen another one of his films that we're going to be doing in uh, a couple of weeks now, um, The City of Lost Children, which I've seen Corey has not. Uh, I, I'm a fan of his style. I like his aesthetic a lot. Um, he has a very quirky storytelling uh, system, and he likes to tackle some pretty heavy topics, Um Oh, this movie's a little more on the nose about the topics. I would say, like, in Delicatessen, he deals with some of the uh, the topics, but he uses, like, you know, cannibalism and this dystopian society. Uh, Amelie is very quirky, and I don't really think it deals with anything too se- serious from what I can, like, distill, other than I guess, like, there's some existential stuff. But um, this movie is definitely got some commentary about weapons manufacturers and... Um, obviously even in the synopsis there uh and i'd say it's pretty much on the nose um but it's done as like a quirky heist movie and i gotta say i i enjoyed it a whole lot um i had a lot of fun with this movie i thought uh again his aesthetic is strong he has a very distinctive visual style um i i think there's a lot of silent film built into this movie um you get a lot of like silent film uh slapstick style comedy which i enjoy and i think is a very effective in this film um not to say there's it's not a silent film and there is dialogue but there's large stretches of the film where there's like no speaking and it's all character behavior especially uh danny or basil uh, basil excuse me um basil oh boy um <laughs> it's like brazil without the r uh so um i i had fun watching this i thought uh it, you know it's it's Shorter than two hours, so that's always a positive. Um, I, I, I had fun. Uh, what did you think, Corey?
0: Um, going to agree. Not my favorite of his movies, but I mean, it's not that alien movie that we, you know, unfortunately talked about earlier. Obviously, I mean, I'm. It's not even close to that. But, um, I still think that *Delicatessen* is my favorite. I think that it will always be my favorite.
1: Um, really, I, I'm Amelie a hundred percent. I love Amelie.
0: I love Amelie, too, and that's my second favorite. I mean, I've only seen four of his movies now, but um, I don't know. There's just something about Delicatessen from, like, the first time I saw the cover. There's just something. um, And it it's darker, I think, than... I mean, this movie's kind of dark, but I feel like that movie is way darker, I guess, because it just seems so much more personal. Like, the things that happen in the movie, like the cannibalism and things like that, you have to, like kind of be close to those people and know them, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I enjoyed this. And I I couldn't, like, put my finger on it, but Slapstick is totally, um, like, the way that some of the characters react. Like, uh, the Contortionist at one point, one of her reactions is one, you know what I mean, like, mm-hmm. completely Slapstick. Um, I think it's fun. I like that um, he always has, a, it's always a band of misfits,
1: Yeah, yeah, um, for sure, and, uh, you know, there's always that, there's, like, the surrogate family element, you know, like, you can make your own family out of whatever you have available. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, his characters are always kind of broken, and uh, I I keep using the word quirky, but I just, there's no other way to describe, like, Amelie is the one that really, but um, I love his use of Dominique uh, Pignon, um, because he's, obviously, in Delicatessen, he is the lead, Uh, He's Mm -hmm. always been a minor character in the other films. Um, Well, he's kind of prominent in City of Lost Children, but he's still not the main character. But um, I I really liked him in this movie. Uh, But I I do. um, I actually like the entire cast. I thought the cast was really great. And uh, I don't know. I had like when it first started, I was like, okay, I don't know what this movie. Well, it starts crazy. Like because we see a guy blown up by a landmine. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, what? what is happening, you know, and then uh, we see his kid, and his mom apparently goes crazy, because her husband was killed in war, uh, because of the landmine, or maybe he wasn't in war, but he was, like, defusing landmines and was blown up doing that, and um, so he sent off to, like, uh, well, like a private school, but American like a school. religious school, ca- like a Catholic school, it looks like, because he's, the scene <sighs> where he's, like, kneeling on the, the stick, I'm just like, <sighs> oh my god, I, it hurts just looking at it, um, but we see him now as an adult working at a video store, and he's a victim of a drive-by shooting, essentially. Well, not a – I guess a shoot-out. There's like a car chase, motorcycle chase. They're shooting at each other. A stray bullet hits him in the head um, and doesn't kill him, which I totally thought he was dead at first. And then it's like he's not dead. Somehow he survives, and they decide to leave the bullet in his head. Um, it never – it it's – I, I was expecting a bigger payoff from that, um, to be honest, because like, they, they, he makes a few comments that like at any time he could die because of it. Uh, Word. But that's not that's, I guess, technically a spoiler. But um, that's kind of the setup of the film is that he gets out of the hospital and uh, he's lost everything because he was in the hospital for a couple of months. So he doesn't have an apartment. He has no job. So now he's homeless. And what does he do? And um, he finds a group of misfits. Well, they find him, I guess. And they they take him in, they adopt him, and he sets out to get revenge on the people who made the landmine that killed his father, and the the weapons manufacturer who made the bullet that's embedded in his brain. That's your plot, and that's insane, but totally Jean Pierre Genois. Like that's what where we mentioned in the other films we've seen. Alien Resurrection does not fit into like I don't know why he did a, a one an American blockbuster sequel and a, a, a sequel nobody wanted cuz Alien 3 which is David Fincher I mean that's when you look at the pedigree of the Alien original 4 you have Ridley Scott who makes his breakout with Alien but then you know Blade Runner and has done up and down career but those two films alone give him a kind of a pass then you get James Cameron for Aliens right who up until recently I've always been kind of not a fan of James Cameron I've come around I think I'm starting to become a fan of James Cameron I, I not totally proud to admit that and, <laughs> and then you get fincher with alien 3 which is basically his debut and there's a lot of controversy supposedly the director's cut is better um because there was a lot of studio interference but i'm a big fincher Ugh. fan and then you get alien resurrection and it's it's genoa he's done delicate tests in the city of lost children already before he does resurrection and you're just like what happened um resurrection is off the chain insane and i do my um, love for
0: Winona can't even save that movie for me. <laughs> it's true. I don't. I don't know. Did they just put his name on it? I mean, that wouldn't make sense because I don't really feel like. I mean.
1: Well, Dominique's I, in in that too, except proves that he was there and then it, <laughs> it kind of has a little bit of the color grading feels like his aesthetic in that movie hmm. um but not not entirely but just a little bit like you kind of see it in the production design um but yeah everything and i mean it is it does have like the quirky family element that you were mentioning like there's a group of mis miss you know people who shouldn't get along but they're working together uh, it's so like it's his stuff is there it just doesn't get it it doesn't work at all it's so bad but um he didn't write the script though. i think if i'm not mistaken joss whedon wrote the script so it's two people who i can't believe have anything to do with that horrible movie um but maybe it
0: was so they could fund other projects i don't know
1: maybe um we do get amelie after if i'm not mistaken i can't remember for sure when resurrection is but i'm pretty sure it's before amelie um (laughs) But then we get Mick Max, and I, I didn't realize he's actually done a few other films after this one that I've not seen. So I'm gonna oh, try to what? work my way through his filmography. Yeah, I was looking at it on Letterbox, but hang on, I'll pull it up. We I
0: should ID. just add it and
1: you know well, have another. You don't, you don't like when we do filmographies. Um, the <sighs> the other film of his that I am um a little surprised about oh. is uh, a very long engagement, which was um 2004.
0: <gasps> Hold and on. I've heard of that. I haven't seen
1: it. <laughs> I haven't either. But it's a it's a pretty iconic, um, like oh, film from that yeah. year, um, and that's after Amelie. Yeah, yeah, I was right. There's a huge gap between Resurrection and yeah, it's the the title character from Amelie Tattoo is yeah, I don't know, but I love her and Amelie, so I do, I do want to watch a Very Long engage- Engagement. Um, he's got a short that I don't care about, but uh, the young and prodigious T.S. Spivet, um, looks intriguing it looks up his it looks like a Genoa film for sure um he did a tv movie i'm now interested in and then i think big bug is in production um,
0: whoa is this any english which one The ts Spivet it takes place in montana
1: oh well, it must be it would not be his first one oh no, but that- Helen bottom is in it oh is she i often like her I don't always like her, but I have to. Be. Oh, look, Dominic Pinions in it. Oh, that's right. Um,
0: because it wouldn't be him.
1: But uh, that he's pretty great looked... though, so I'm glad. Yeah, I, I'm a fan. Um, it seems like he's only done Genoa films, but um, is there anything else before we get to spoilers? No. All right. Well, then, uh, listeners, we're going to get to spoilers.
0: Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned.
1: Okay, so the first thing I want to ask you is, did you see the major Delicatessen Easter egg?
0: Yes! I was like, oh my god, this is from Delicatessen, where they're sitting on the bed, and it was like from, it looked like an open doorway, and he's playing the saw, and Mm -hmm. she's playing violin, right?
1: Yep, yep. I was so stoked, because one, Dominic's already in this movie, and that was clearly him playing the saw. I was like, oh, that's a cool Easter egg for any Delicatessen fan. Um, and it's because Basil- I just Basil, love that movie so much. Yeah, um, I, I'm a big fan as well. Um, but Basil is uh, sending a microphone down the chimneys, trying to eavesdrop on one of the weapons manufacturers and um, ends up hearing the saw and violin playing. And I'm like, oh my God, um, it's super quick. But any fan of, of Genois and or Delicatessen will recognize that, um, that iconic scene from that film. Especially because he falls asleep there because she gave him the wrong pills. um, The first time, at least. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I really like that a lot. Uh, The heist is insane. Um, It is one of those... uh, It's a movie heist where, like, none of it is plausible. Like, you can't... Like, there's no way they would have been able to pull this off. Or how would they time that and this and that. Well, to be fair, I guess he does... um, He writes in deus ex machinas to the characters. Like, calculator girl who can literally, like, calculate anything um like like they drop a marble and she knows how the distance of uh because of the sound and she can look at something and know how much it weighs and thus how far it needs to you know like if we're going to throw this across this bridge how you know what's the right angle and all that she's a genius and then uh the artist um, petite perry is like a strong man who can lift like anything apparently um regardless of what it is and that's pretty funny at times um the contortionist uh, who likes to hide in refrigerators. She's uh, a major character. Um, I didn't quite get Remington's power. It, he like recites poetry. Like he speaks too much. He's a poet, a writer, I guess. Um, uh, and then there's um, the slammer who is the uh, former inmate, former criminal who uh, brings Basil into the group and, um, we have the the old daredevil which is Dominic Pignon um and yeah i i mean i think the group is hilarious it's awesome it, it makes for these awesome little you know sequences where you get them uh planning and uh pulling off the heist in crazy ways um you get a lot of improv a lot of uh not improv but it's it feels like improv because they are reacting to things like there's a scene where they're window washing um, to spy on one of the the weapons guys and uh he sees them and it's uh the way they interact it feels very improvised right like that it's uh oh yeah they're bouncing off each other it's again i'm I'm sure it's not improvised but that in the movie in the world of the film he has to react to the guy looking at him so he starts like playing with the zit on his nose so it looks like he i can't see through the glass this is like you know one-sided mirror and the guy's like oh okay and just lets it go which is stupid but you know hey, he doesn't know. He's never been on the outside of the window um yeah it i was like in,
0: they probably look mirrored anyway because i was
1: mm-hmm. thinking about that probably yeah, more than that. i
0: should have <laughs>
1: yeah um you know so that that sequence is really funny uh you have the the two villains are kind of caricatures They're they're awful you know most uh, one collects, like, um, body parts. <laughs> that was such an awesome, like, I
0: mean, it wasn't just a detail because it, you know, is some okay. of the plot. But Yeah, a lot it, of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just, I think, a cool way to set that up. Like, what does he have? Marilyn Monroe's something.
1: Yeah, there was, like, fingernails from somebody. <laughs> and, uh uh, an eyeball i think yeah an eyeball a heart um i think he was trying to buy the eyeball actually wasn't that the, oh, okay the, the thing he kept mussolini like, maybe i it's something like that it was yeah and it was a weird like collection of like a lot of like political leaders and then marilyn Monroe was just like, thrown <laughs> in there um which might be commentary well, I mean, yeah yeah uh, she
0: was attached to a president
1: yeah um at least yeah, iconically you know not unofficially but uh legendarily mm-hmm. at the same time yeah. I, i'm not i'm not denying it <laughs> no, I, know. Saying, I, I don't know if anybody knows it as much as we know it you know um, yeah but uh there's a lot like that um you know there's the the love story that i feel was it was clear. out of
0: left field actually for me
1: did i thought the calculator, calculator the, girl yes right, and, and she okay. clearly is into him right because like there's a moment where he's kissing um the <laughs> contortionist and she's like longingly like kissing the air um so it, it threw me off when it was the contortionist that he was into or and the other way around because i thought it there was clearly like early with the calculator chick um and then uh i mean i i love the the, the family element they like and i kept waiting for that to fall apart and like them to get mad at him or something and i love that that's not in, it's not part of the movie like there's no like big fight where like oh you lied to us or you you misled us or anything like that like it's all like there's a little bit with the contortionist but that's more like because of the love interest
0: um i liked that as well like they find him sneaking around or something they want to know what he's up to so they can help (laughs) like
1: yeah i love that (laughs) right right it is because it's like what's your thing and then he's like well i want to get revenge like well help and you're like oh that's not at all what i thought was gonna happen here and then like I kept waiting for them to like find out that he lied or something. And there's none of that. They, they, they genuinely bond and it's this really great family dynamic and it's awesome. Um, I, I'm a, always an advocate for surrogate family films because like there is that, uh, the very overly used expression of blood is, um, thicker than water, which is not the entirety of that idiom. Mind you. Um, but, uh, I, I am always been an advocate that you, you your family is who you make it. And it doesn't matter about DNA or whatnot. It's, it's who supports you and who loves you and who takes care of you unconditionally. And that's what you see on screen in this movie is this group takes him in because he's in need. They feed each other. Like, not in a weird way, you know, but they support each other. They make sure everyone has. No one's left without. Um,
0: and I think that, like, what you said about, like, unconditionally loving each other is, you know, in their also supportive of each other like i i'm really bad with the names in this movie guys but the like motherly figure she Mm -hmm. like cooks for everyone and
1: i don't know and her story is kind of tragic they they reveal like that her i think her kids were taken or left her or something and then um they they, it's i don't have the story in front of me but there there's a conversation where we hear her backstory and then that's why she she adopted all these other people um so she could have her family um, and they all need each other and they all benefit and gain from each other. And um, you know, they're all scrappers. They, they get by with what they have. Um, there's probably some commentary there about like wealth or class in France that I'm, I'm not familiar enough with to pull. Um, but the weapons manufacturer stuff is pretty blatant. Um, and in fact, uh, one of the things that was really hard for me, um, I don't know if you know this, Corey, but I don't really know much about soccer. Same. And there's an ongoing gag in this movie where uh fracassi um, who is Dominique Pignon's character had uh, as a world record um, from like the seventies. Oh, yeah. And when uh, a kid finds the book, he wants uh, an autograph and he signs it and we get T Henry. Cause I guess his real name is something Terry Henry or something like that. And I guess, and I had a, I had to infer this through these uh, that that's a famous French soccer player because he has uh Donnie Pinion's character sign a bunch of soccer jerseys that he uses to barter with people throughout the film. <laughs> I didn't see know people... that. I thought I didn't at...
0: understand.
1: Yeah. At first I was like, why do people care about a guy who has a record for like the world's farthest cannonball shoot? Like, <laughs> And why is it on a soccer Jersey? And then I had to put it together. Cause there was a scene earlier where they were watching a soccer match with the landmine. Oh. You remember like the, they had landmine on the field and like someone blew up. I don't, I, I can't remember if that was a dream sequence. I don't think it was. Um, and I'm like, okay, so this, this is a soccer Jersey. So there must be a soccer player either in the actual world or in this fictional world, that part I'm not sure of, but there it's, it's definitely there because a guy, uh, later points out that they're spelling Henry wrong. Cause he spells it with an I. And I think they were using a Y, um, in the name of their signings, but he's like, but it's okay. Cause I don't mind. Uh, it's the, the sex guy. Um, he's like, I don't mind putting it out there no matter what. And, uh, so like the little things like that. Um, those are cultural things there. I, I didn't get that joke right away, but I was able to still pull it because Chen was really good at visual storytelling. That's one of the things I love about his movies is, uh, he doesn't have to spell out everything for you. He, he does trust the audience. Um, every movie that I've seen except for alien resurrection. Um, he's good at this. And, uh, to be fair, I don't know that it's not there in resurrection, but I just don't like what's being said in that movie. Um, I tend to enjoy, uh, his, his kind of quirky sense of sensibilities, his humor. Um, and I liked his kind of take on a heist movie. I thought this was fun. And the, the little heist sequences are all done. And I like that it's not just one heist. It's a series of small heists that kind of build to this big grand ending finale thing. Um, and the finale was, I thought very satisfying. I, I liked, I, I feel like they got there just desserts without, um, without kind of descending to the level of the villains you know they don't they don't go they don't become villains themselves i mean they break the law but they don't like
0: i mean you know it's fine um i thought that was funny too like all the trouble that they go to to make it seem like they put them on a plane and they're like Mm -hmm. leaning the seats forward and they have like a blowtorch and i I just, it, you're, what you said about his visual storytelling and he just, his humor is so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I do think um, this is coming in 2009. So Ocean's 11 is 2001 and Steven Soderbergh um, or Soderbergh, i always I'm not sure how to actually say his name, but I've become quite a fan of Soderbergh. Um, he, he in, for me, when I think of a heist film where we see the heist and then we get the uh, playback of how the heist happened, that I first became familiar with that with Soderbergh. Like, so I don't know if someone else did that first, but um, here, like we see them, we see them getting on the plane and traveling and all that. And then we see them wake up in the desert and like the whole landmine grenade sequence plays out. And then we are, we see how they actually did that. We see them on with the fake seats and the, the the like hair dryers to make the airplane noises and all that. And that's a very Soderbergh type style. Uh, you see that in Logan Lucky and and at least Ocean's Eleven. I haven't watched Twelve or Thirteen yet, but um, again, I'm sure someone else may have done that. But what I associate it heavily with Steven Soderbergh. So I wonder if that inspires Genois, or if that was from something else. But um, he definitely does that a couple times where we see the event play out and then we watch how they pulled it off uh, from behind the scenes, and it's it's great. And it's again, it's uh, this is it is a it is a heist movie, but what they're setting up and what they're planning is is like basically pranks ultimately um and and in an effort to make their lives miserable there are some things that go haywire like when the uh they're supposed to blow up a single missile (laughs) and the the guy's having an affair with someone on on the that works at the same weapons manufacturer and she parks a cart of other missiles in front of that missile So it makes a much bigger explosion than what they had anticipated. So, like, that's pretty funny. Luckily, they don't really show anybody dying in that scenario. So even though, like, a bunch of missiles blew up in a residential area, which I don't know if that's an accurate thing. Like, these weapons manufacturers seem to be way too close to, like, non-weapons related businesses, right? Like, they're across the street from each other, but they're still, like, in the the middle of what I assume is France. It, It is... Um, I can't tell if this world is supposed to be grounded in our world or not. I don't think it's entirely our world. It feels like it's slightly surreal. Um, I mean,
0: just even like the trash heap that they live inside of that seems to be like just on the outskirts of town.
1: Yes, right. Like it's not, it's definitely not our world. It's, It's a version of our world. Like slightly, things are slightly askew, not quite, uh, grounded in in the reality that we know, but enough of the reality that we know that we don't have to establish like its own like weird rules or oxygen or anything like that. It's it's you know this kind of uh, satirized version of the world we live. In.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm about to sneeze. I think. Sorry, I'm hoping I'm not sneezing ten times again. Again. All right. Sorry. Um. But, uh. You know, as much as I enjoyed this movie, I don't really have anything else I want to talk about. I feel like we've covered everything quickly because it is it's not a substantial film, right? Like it's 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 dealing with heavy topics of weapons manufacturing is, you know, war profiteering is wrong and these people are corrupt and, and greedy. But that's it's all in the text. It's not subtext. There's no like weird like allegory. That's really like, oh, wow. It's just like, yeah, okay, people who make weapons are the reason so many people are hurt and injured and if they are corrupt if they are selling weapons to both sides of a war for example um or helping like because these guys admit to doing some awful things like with with selling weapons like dictators and things like that
0: oh my gosh wrong so many rotten things
1: right those people deserve to be punished because they're they're doing things wrong i don't know if someone who makes weapons is inherently evil um you know it, there's going to be that argument that you could make that if they didn't do it, someone else would do it and they could be worse. But I don't know if any of that's true. Uh, I definitely weapons. I'm not a fan of weapons. Um, but at the same time, I know that I it is, it's one of those things where it's like, if we ban guns, people who break the laws aren't going to follow that law either. You know? So yeah. it's like, do you allow like criminals to have the good weapons and us to have sticks? Um, there's an episode of The Simpsons, uh, one of the Treehouse of Horror episodes, where they burn all their what we- they get rid of all their weapons, and then the aliens come and take over because we got rid of all of our weapons, mm-hmm. um, and they like enslave Earth until like somebody develops a club or something out of a stick, and they they fight back. Um, so it's like th- that I, that's always stuck with me. I saw that when I was a kid, and that's always stuck with me. It's like I don't like weapons, but um, if you you have to balance the equation, right? If criminals have guns, then non-criminals need guns to be able to fight the criminals with guns because you can't bring a sword to a gunfight kind of thing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Not to get into like this very, heavy. I, I don't have an answer for gun control or anything like that. I'm not pointing out even my political stance on it, but clearly I think genoa is in this film and you know, whether or not you agree, I think the people in the movie you will agree with they are bad guys. There's no question. There's no disputing. These guys are awful um in almost every way like there's not even i don't even think they give much of redeemable quality the one guy seems to be a decent father in that he like tells his son he loves him but that's it you know like other than that like he's not a good father he's there's a nanny he barely spends time with the kid the kid looks very disinterested in general I didn't
0: know where his son was at one point
1: well he asked about the nanny and then it was like oh he's with his mother and he's like oh okay because again he doesn't actually take care of his son the nanny does so yeah a uh, they're all they're both awful people um but and that's i love that they make them think that they're fighting each other that they're like it's almost like pranked like an episode of or uh punked i'm sorry um you know like the micmacs are just punking everybody which micmacs if you didn't know this is the french word for a scheme mm-hmm. so that's what this movie is basically called is a scheme. Mm. Which makes sense because they are scheming throughout the film. So,
0: yeah, and I mean, I'm not trying to make it sound boring or anything, but it's kind of like the same stuff just happening over and over again. Yeah. I guess, but which...
1: different, yeah, you know, but different, but the same. Yeah, but
0: just because th- we don't have a lot to talk about about it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm uh, good.
0: At first, yes, I okay. thought Calculator Girl was the girl from. Uh, Delicatessen at the very oh. beginning with the glasses and stuff. Yes. But obviously not. But I liked her a lot. And I also liked the girl from Delicatessen a lot.
1: Yeah, I think he's got he, he's good at casting. He finds the right people that fit um, very, very well. Uh, her, turn. the girl, Julie from um, Delicatessen is Marie-Laurie Dug- Dugnack. Is Dugnack? Dugnack? um she's not been in a little she's in other stuff but not tons of stuff most recent though a film called alice
0: she uh, had a long like span there where she didn't have anything come out
1: yeah pretty long one um like nine 2001 to, to 2019 mm-hmm. and i don't know how big of a role she has in this movie it doesn't look like she's high build so no offense to her of course i, I think she's great and she may not have wanted to act um with that big of a gap i would say she probably didn't want to act unless she's doing like theater or something and that's I'll why it's it. not on imdb but um anywho uh ready to rate micmax? yes i am gonna go uh not quite golden for me um
0: i uh am also gonna go with the same one i've figured you were gonna go with must-see film
1: oh no i don't think it's a must-see i think it's a lot of fun um I, I would say his uh Delicatessen and Amelie I think are must see and this one's just one hundred percent. Um, and uh, City of Lost Children I think is a little above this, um, okay. but I, I think is a lot less accessible. I think this movie is very accessible. I think it's you know aside from the language barrier, it's pretty straightforward with what it's doing, and um, I think City of Lost Children is a lot more allegorical and uh, compelling in that way, but mm. um. So, our next episode, uh, I get to pick the movie, and we are going to be watching Breathless, um, which is a Jean-Luc Godard film, another French film. Um, apparently, we are on a French kit. <laughs> um, I'm pulling up the details uh, now. Um, it is on HBO Max, and that's where we will be watching it. Um, I can't spell Breathless, apparently. There it is. Uh, 19- oh, God, why did
0: you change it? What do you mean? did you change how it's spelled i want to see
1: it oh oh no uh, breathless is I, I added an e that didn't need to be there it's from 1960 oh, okay. uh jean-luc uh godard um stars jean-paul belmondo jean seaberg who again there's a movie about her life uh starring Kristen stewart on amazon prime right now called seaberg um and uh francis truffaut wrote the screenplay um so you know, two big iconic names in film involved together. Film I've been meaning to get to for some time, and it makes sense to uh to do it now. So it's so again breathless. Um, is available on HBO Max if you want to watch it and give us some feedback. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey at Corey R Star Two R's on the end. And um, you can follow us at BerkReviews.com if you like what we're doing here on the podcast. We ask that you rate and review it. It helps other people find the podcast, and uh, that means we get more listeners, and we can keep doing this a little longer. We've been doing this for a while now. Um, I, I realized um, I was talking about you with somebody because I was talking about my podcast partner, and I think we've been doing this now for uh, almost five full years, um, which is really crazy when you think about it. Like It seems like we just started doing this still. And we've been doing this for quite some time. Um, I think this was episode uh, 186. Um, Holy mackerel. Yeah. If so, um, if you figure roughly 52 a year, but we've taken a few uh, off here and there, um, usually because of like hurricanes or uh, lost episodes and such. But um, and I've it's possible I've also lost count there. Uh, my calculations say 185, but who knows. Um, and that's also, we were doing uh, top five movies for a few of the years as well. So we had, um, I guess we started this in, uh, 17. So I started Berk Reviews 16 and we started this in 17, like right away in 17. So, um, we've done three full years and we're almost through our fourth. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty crazy when you think about it, how time flies. Um, but we'll be back next week with another episode. So if you like what we're doing, uh, tell people, share it, rate and review, And until next time, wear your mask and keep watching movies. This has been a Berk Reviews podcast. BerkReviews.com